0: Every founder believes fundamentally that their business is sensational. Of course they do, that's why they started it. But sometimes things don't work out and you may need to make a pivot. And today my guest, Rob Brockington, he has done exactly that. He was brought on as the CEO right at the very beginning of Carlo Money. And he arrived and he was like, look, I don't think this is going to work out. I think we should talk to our customers and find a new way to build this and a new market to move into. And he did exactly that and now they are going incredibly well. So in this episode we talk about how do you decide to make that pivot and then what do you do once you've made that decision. It's a really powerful episode and I hope you really enjoy it. The reason you're here which I think is pretty cool is you showed a lot of courage because basically you rocked up and you're a bit like from what I understand you rocked up and you're like
1: nah we're building the wrong
0: thing here we need to change this whole thing and you're like I just I just don't think we're doing this right mate.
1: Yeah, so I I I kind of made that point in my interview already. Okay. And I said I think there's a few things that again like it's it was a really cool idea, and that's why I joined in the first place, like what they had. They were essentially building like an ESG stock investment platform, and it had a very um, good feel about it. It had, it had a good structure, and like it was leveraging on lots of things which are kind of in the zeitgeist, if you like, at the time. And, you know, it, it, it was an interesting opportunity to kind of try and get into, which is why I did. Um, But yeah, I'd flagged a couple of things I wasn't sure about, and I'd proposed a few changes, even in my interview. I don't know why I did that. Love that. Um, And then when I got in, it was a case of, right, let's, I hired a couple of guys that I worked with before straight away um, to come and kind of come in and and help around kind of operations, marketing. And so it was the three of us for, it feels like it was so long ago, but it wasn't that long ago. Uh, It was probably about three or four months, maybe just um, two of us for a while and then three of us it was one of those things where like I joined and stuff had already been kicked off and was moving. So when I joined, I wanted to keep it moving. Right. Yeah. But at the same time I was like, some of these decisions are really critical and I'm not sure that they're the right decision. So, but I can't just stop everything because there's like an agency and stuff working on things. So like, how do I, how do I do that? So the three of us basically spent quite a lot of time trying to validate our thoughts and impressions, whether that was on the marketing side, whether that was on the product side or whatever we, essentially carried out a lot of um some user sessions did tons of surveys lots of reaching out to different companies reviewing case studies and then reviewing work that had been done by the agency um before and i think one of the biggest things that stuck out was cost of acquisition in that space is can be horrendous um and there's also this there was that was one problem, and then the other problem was ESG. So there aren't many people that I meet that aren't like positive about you know environmental issues and want to make things better. yeah, like generally most people have that, but there's a big difference between being positive about not using plastic straws and investing your money into a fund that is uh green or whatever you know the the wording these days gets gets used in many different ways but ultimately that that's what it was when we looked at we were like the hurdle isn't about green or non-green the hurdle was about invest or not invest like most people do not invest their money so if we're going to create a product that involves investment like how do we educate people first because that's the bit that's why the cost of acquisition is so high that's why those companies who are running kind of ver- the very large stock trading companies that you see plastered around London, like the big ones? You know they can pay a thousand pounds CPA to bring someone onto their platform, Jeez. who will stay for three months, <laughs> but they'll make more than a thousand pounds in that three months. So obviously that's why they ch- they turn it round. Yeah. So um, that's that's more on the kind of leverage side of things, right? On on the um, on the more kind of open stock trading side, it's not not quite that bad. And there's some great companies out there who have done really well in terms of marketing, like free trade and whatnot, who have obviously grown, grown hugely. But I think um, when we were looking at it, we were like, how do we come to the market with this product and differentiate ourselves enough in a space where everybody is on a race to the bottom in terms of pricing? Yeah. And we just because we've got this ESG or green environmental component, how do we how do we make money yeah and that was where i strolled for a long time trying to try to figure that out and we did surveys that would basically when we, and we did tried lots of i'm sure you like when you do your testing that you have to be really really careful not to ask questions in a way which are leading or you know try and get insight from people without them knowing what insight you're actually getting from yeah. them right and we tried a lot of different ways of doing that even like talking about things like buying a cup of coffee or buying a pair of jeans like if it was made from a sustainable material, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. How much more would you pay for the product if it was X? How much, you know, things like that. And then relating it to all different things and obviously to finance. And when it came to the more material things and things like coffee, people were willing to pay like 50% more, a lot of people. Wow. Um, But when it came to investments and it was like potentially, you know, it could risk your return. (laughs) Like, I think, I can't remember the top of my head, but it's like 9% of people were willing to, to do that most people and that was nine percent of people who uh, already invest like 90 percent of people that answered the survey didn't invest their money so you start looking at the stats and you're like who are we building this for because this is like i'm looking and this is like shrinking yeah this this, this bubble of who we're, who we're trying to attack is shrinking so yeah it was a pretty rough time because we'd all been pretty hyped up and excited about getting in and building this cool product because it was a cool product yeah but it just more and more I was like, I just don't know if this can, like if, if the model works, like couldn't, I couldn't visualize it or calculate it. Yeah. And, and that's kind of when we had to just say like, time to do something different.
0: I think that's hyper smart. I think if you, um, that's one of the, like if there's one lesson that comes out of 90% <laughs> of these episodes, it's that just speak to, your, speak to your customers. Like ask them questions because it's very easy for someone who is successful, like in, you know, you're an investor-led startup and they're like, I've got this really great idea. Okay, I think this would be amazing. But then until you actually go and start speaking to people and finding out if they really do want it. And the other problem you have is that like, if you are particularly compelling or charismatic or friendly, like if you go and ask someone, you say to your your mate, you're like, yeah, man, I've got a really good idea for a business. They're not going to be like, mm, that's a rubbish idea. They're going to be like, yeah, it's really good. Good luck. Yeah, that's what they're going to say. Yeah, they're, they're not going to give you validation. They're just going to be like, I don't want to, you know, I don't want to kick this. This guy it's really difficult because like even yeah. when you
1: do like a paid testing session, it's, I don't know. Like say you're paying people 100 pounds a day to come in and test something. Yeah, you're paying them, and thus they want to like make you feel good they about wanna, what, yeah, what, exactly. what you're doing a lot of the time. Not everyone, but like you can never. It's 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 very weird, and I think when it comes to finance as well, the biggest thing is people say one thing and they do another thing, like all the time. Yeah, and one of the biggest areas, especially around that investments, people think they want control and choice. That's what they feel that they genuinely feel. It's not like a lie to themselves. They feel like they want it. But when it comes to actually making the decision, they want someone to have made it for them. Mm. So like, you know, platforms have to like either take the route where we're just going to you know, do this all for you and you've got like one option, et cetera, or you give tons of options. And that's where a lot of people who are very new to, to investing, for example, just don't know where to go. They're like, oh, now I've got inertia, you know, like my, I don't know what, I don't know where I'm supposed to be going. Yeah. They want someone to help them. They got, you know, it's a, it's a very interesting space because yeah, people genuinely tell you one thing and then the data that you get from people is so different, Um, which is, which is kind of why we led to start going down the kind of more educational coaching route in the end. I think
0: that's the thing as well that people have to remember about when you, when you're running a business is that talk is worth nothing, right? You know, what's someone actually gonna do? Is someone actually going to um actually going to 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 buy something and actually act and do something? That's where you have to ask action based questions. You have to be like, okay, fine. Well then are you gonna buy this product? Are you gonna do this investment? Are you gonna do this? And I think it's a really easy thing to be to someone, yeah, what do you think about this idea? Yeah, I think it's great. Yeah, yeah. I'd love to do some, you know, environmentally um, sound investment. I'd love that. Yeah, it'd be great. Yeah. But you know that this one's actually massively underperforming compared to that one. Oh yeah, yeah. I'll just put my money into that one instead. I'll put it in ISA. Yeah. Um. Which is, yeah. I'm not an investment advisor. I don't want to give any investment advice. <laughs> yeah. Um. Buy Bitcoin. Um. It's a, It's a good time. The um. It's a great time. It's a great time. If you have got cash, no, no now's comment. the time. No what? comment. No comment. <laughs> um. I can't say. It's as you say about choice because actually, if you look at Coinbase and you look at the activity on Coinbase, you've got uh, thousands of coins that people can play with, and you've got. Some that, if you look at their performance over the past sort of 12, 18 months, most, in terms of growth, some of them massively outperformed Bit and Ethan, and Solana. But 99% of the activity on there is just with those three coins, Because people don't actually want choice. They don't want it because it's risky. Like you just want to, and I think I find it mad because you look at it and you think, well, maybe I should be doing something with Algo. Maybe I should be doing something with, obviously not Luna now, but like you maybe you should be doing something else, but you don't actually want that choice. Anyway, enough about that. So you decided that actually the the demand was more around education and coaching. Hey guys, I hope you're enjoying the conversation that we're having here today. Pretty cool, isn't it? But I really quickly want to tell you about a show that I really, really like called Secret Leaders. They have amazing content on there and some really great advice for founders. So you're about to hear from the host right now. So listen up. If you're an entrepreneur in the UK and want to hear some powerful lessons from founders of companies like Deliveroo, Joe Malone and Monzo, then check out the Secret Leaders podcast. Each week, I have a raw conversation with someone who's changed an industry like fertility, esports, raving, and crypto, so you can build a better business. Want to learn how to bootstrap? Create a magnetic brand? Get your first customer? Or even fire your mum? Yep, that really happened to one of our guests. Search Secret Leaders in your podcast app. See you there. In the current climate, marketing is hard. But do you know what isn't hard? making sure you never miss an episode of your favourite podcast. So tap the follow button on your podcast and you'll never miss out on the latest episodes of Unicorny or Marketing Difference. You can even go back and listen to our back catalogue of amazing episodes. If you do that, please leave us a review. It would mean so much. So you decided that actually the, the demand was more around education and coaching?
1: Even necessarily the demand is more than need, right? Because... Okay the pro- if you look at the problem the problem is that there's this huge advice gap in the UK and the advice gap is, is defined by like 66% of the population who are not in debt ie they have a fairly stable financial situation and can't afford financial advice right so 6 to the 6 to 66% of the population fall into that i think it's like 35 million people right right so that is essentially the audience that most people are looking to to go out to with any kind of fintech product right because unless you're if you have a financial advisor that's handling your wealth and if you do then you've got somewhere between 50 to 100 grand's worth of money that you want looked after because that's the minimum so you probably aren't going to use any of those other products right and if you're in debt you definitely can't use those those products so that's that's who everyone's fighting for we were just looking at that and thinking, well. We can either like attack one very small sliver of the problem, which essentially the problem is around financial literacy, right? Financial literacy levels are very low. You don't get taught it in school, um, and there's a real kind of lack of awareness when it comes to types of products, best practice, like sensible finance managing of, of finances. So we look, we're looking at this problem, and we're like, do we want to pick on a really kind of small sliver of the problem and just attack that? Which is what a lot of companies do, and it's you know, can be very successful that way. Or do we want to try and just address this across the board? Like how, if this is the problem, what would the solution look like? Um and the most important part, <clears throat> excuse me, of the solution is how do you make people who are completely unconfident and non-familiar become confident and familiar in, yeah. in a short space of time? Yeah. So that they feel confident enough about what product in the market is suitable for them. For people that have money, they go to an advisor, and the advisor says, "Go do this, put your money here, etc., etc." Now, advice is a regulated um, service, and to provide that to everyone in the UK is not possible in the current way it currently stands because of the regulation, the cost to do it, and I guess it's kind of just grown into this area where they, you know, they only really want to look at people who have got a certain amount of money because the way they make commission, it's made the they make money is through commission on money invested. So it all makes total sense, and that's why they facilitate that part of the market. But to facilitate a service for this middle part of the market, like there's no real like existing solution that just handles all of that. So that was all, that was that was our how we were start thinking about this. It was kind of moved all the way from like stock investment to like what is the actual problem around education. Nice. And then the the problem around education is not just from stock investment platform. It's from everything. It's from as you said, you know, whether it's ices, whether it's uh, saving for your kids, whether it's budgeting. Or all these things fit into it. Um, and that was when our head started to kind of explode with stuff that we could do. Um, but we pinned ourselves on like the initial part of the problem, which was, which is where we kind of actually stumbled across financial coaching. If I'm honest, it wasn't something I'd ever heard of before. I understand the the, the kind of premise of it, but I hadn't heard the term before. <laughs> and we found a few kind of um, independent financial coaches who were maybe ex advisors who wanted to work in a non-regulated way to help people with stuff that they'd learned over their careers. And because, you know, independent financial coaches might have 10, 20 clients that they help and, and, and charge, et cetera. Um, so we're like, how do we take that non-regulated activity that really helps people and turn it into something that's like more scalable and could, could attack this kind of advice gap problem? So that was what we essentially worked on for a while. We we In terms of pivoting, we pivoted very quickly, but I'm not gonna suggest we had the ideal solution straight away, like we knew what it needed to do and the kind of things we thought it would involve. But for us, it was about timing then, right? Because it was like March, 2020. So lockdown had just like blown everyone's minds. Yeah, And we were sitting there going, oh God, we're like a few months into running this new business, and we're about to go and tell the investor that we wanna to pivot to yeah. something completely different. Great, like not ideal scenario, but I just couldn't, I couldn't go any further at that point without, with the with information that we'd gathered and assessed in quite detail. I was like, I can't, yeah, I can't take it. Any further. So we had we spent a couple of weeks putting together a. I think it was like, you know what pitch decks are like. They seem to grow and grow. I think it was about a seventy page pitch to stick in the end, explaining the problem of what we had and why we thought this was a, a solution to a sl- even bigger problem in the same in the same area, kind of closely linked. Um, and and keeping investing as a whole part of the journey, but just not in the format that it was before. Um, and for me, there's a very big difference between investing and stock trading. Like stock trading is high risk, um, you know, maybe not always long term view. Whereas investing is like I'm putting this money away. Yeah. I come back to it in five, ten years, and you know, hope it's grown. Um. So yeah, but so we had the we had a meeting. Luckily. Our investor was super positive and very supportive. So we were very lucky. Um, And literally, I think it was April 2020, we were just like, right, we need to go and hire. So then it was kind of like a, (laughs) I don't know, a COVID hiring spree, if you like, lots of Zoom calls.
0: Well, a lot well, so lots of people available to hire. Yeah. So it's a good time to do it. That's really cool. I think the takeaway there from a pivoting perspective is very much look, if, if the data is telling you that this isn't the right thing to do and there's an opportunity elsewhere, take it. Yeah, just do it. Just have the courage to do it. Like, yeah, it's better to have your business survive and do something else than not at all. Um, yeah, a guy came on the show, a guy called James Hawkins, he made two pivots and one of them was whilst on Y Combinator. <laughs> you know, it's like it's just and now they're they're doing exceptionally well. Like if there's an opportunity, just just take it. If you've got great people and a great team, you're gonna deliver. Yeah. Anyone who's ever had any money troubles knows that it is unbelievably stressful and hard work. To deal with that and uh, it has a toll on uh, people's mental health and it's I imagine it's probably the biggest factor in affecting people's mental health. What are you, you guys are doing quite a lot within your product to help with that?
1: Yeah I mean ultimately the whole point of I mean financial coaching is one part of, of our product and it was kind of uh, the first thing we've really tried to validate as we've launched and the validation has been awesome because we've got tons of really really happy people that have been through the journey and some people continually coming back to our coaches for more and more sessions, which is great. Um, but I think that it, ultimately what we're trying to do is we're trying to create, we call ourselves originally like the digital financial coach, right? And so we've started off with this speaking to a real life human and then over the last year, we've been trying to extract all the value that you get from that experience and figuring out a way to provide a more digital experience. But both of those are trying to get to the point where people, as you say, feel more comfortable and, and in control of what they're doing financially. A lot of that involves can involve opening up about stuff you don't like talking about it can involve yeah you know facing some of your habits that are not very you know favorable um or you know whatever it might be and i think before i think it was yeah about a year ago we ran an independent u k survey partnered with um oh crikey, i've got to remember the right names now the money charity and mental health u k and um like essentially finance or money is like the biggest component for a lot of people of yeah. like you know mental health issues so that i guess it was something that we kind of thought might be the case and then we started doing these studies and it's actually this is like a really big thing so we and we got a lot more work going on that in the kind of the background now in terms of how we're going to start talking about that um and utilizing some of our coaches time i can't really say too much about it but looking how we can utilize our coaches time in terms of um providing more of a teaching element to uh, people that maybe could use it such as teachers for example right nice. who who can then help people uh, children who otherwise may not have got any kind of education around yep. them. so we don't know exactly how that's going to work yet but we got some we got some work going on there to investigate that um but yeah i think it's it's a huge component for us it it's kind of grown and grown in terms of how important that is as part of the mission of what we're doing but ultimately, these really low global financial literacy levels cause finance to be such a big problem for a lot of people. Um, we've had a lot of employers come to us, actually, about how we can maybe help them help their employees with that as well. So that's another avenue that we're looking at quite strongly at the minute. Interestingly, we've, we've actually had our coaches teach people who are in financial institutions.
0: <laughs> I love that. I love that.
1: Yeah.
0: Um, I really need to be, yeah. Yeah, nice. No, having worked at a bank, I can... Yeah, guarantee that n- no one there knows what they're doing. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Okay. So two questions here we ask everyone. So the first is, like every founder, when they grow a business quicker, they all have a hack. You know, what is your startup hack that helps you grow quicker?
1: Hiring people that I know.
0: Do you know what? That's pretty solid. I'll take that. It's just an easy way because you know what to get from them, right?
1: Yeah, I, either, I know if I, I know their strengths. I know their weaknesses. Yeah. I know how to work with them, which sometimes can take a long time with new people. Yeah. Um, and it can be fast if, if you don't have to go looking for them you know that's so yeah. what I think yeah that's what first comes to my mind when you ask that no
0: person. I like that yeah I mean obviously it works on the premise that they like working with you, uh, th- you which know. seems to be the case be there's a few know. people that
1: have followed me a few a few jobs now so I feel like some people enjoy working with me I don't no, know.
0: they're just waiting for you to fail that's what it is yeah, just, maybe just to to Just, just stand over yeah. and I laugh. like that um, okay and the, the next one is we talk a lot about the startup sin bit and that is you know within the founderverse there are so many things that go on that drive people mad. Uh, toxic positivity is a big one we talk about here because I am toxically positive. But um, what, is, um, what is something that you wish just didn't exist and would just fuck off?
1: I don't wish that it would just fuck off, but <laughs> I, think, I think it's really interesting. Like I came from the banking world, right, into then startup and then was in startup for a good few years. And then all of a sudden went into like COVID startup, which was a very different, way of working because literally everything we did was completely remote but somehow in those two years we went through this period where all of a sudden there's this like immediate expectation that like no one has to go back to the office again And it was a really weird thing and there's some very kind of controversial conversations as far as i understand it happening online or whatever about it i just find it a very weird subject like i just i don't know at which point because, because in my experience, loads of places that I worked have always been cool with like working from home. It's never yeah. been a problem, but now it seems to have just grown to this point where like it's the other way around. Like coming into the office is a problem rather than like working at home is a, is a benefit, and that kind of frustrates me as someone who was at, in the office at six o'clock every morning for like I don't know how many years. Like, and and that was when I was being paid pittance comparative to you know what how salaries are today. Mm. So I find it. I find that conversation very weird. I'm not just suggesting it go away, but I think that there should be some sensible kind of reality check around it to say like, working from home is awesome. I've got our oh, teams of developers. I want them to be at home, focus, in quiet where they can get stuff done. But we also have like creative meetings about marketing or you know product or whatever it might be where it's just so much more connected with people if you're in the office, having that kind of lively discussion. and I feel like my team agree with that and no one really has a problem doing any of it. I see so much of this conversation online kind of...
0: Yeah, I, I agree with you. I don't want I just think it's mad. Like, like if you are... Like, someone like me, like, I would call myself an extrovert and I, I like being around people. Yeah. Yeah, don't tell me that I have to work from fucking home. I'll, I'll hate it. Like, it's just... Uh, but then there are people who don't want to be in the office. That's fine. Work from home. Like, it just that's the vibe like just work where you I think the problem is like if you you need to be honest with yourself and be like where am I most productive where am I adding when am I at at my best as an employee and as a team member because people depend on you and ask yourself that question and you know be conscientious about it and accept that you're part of a team and you have to you have to play your role in that
1: yeah I I completely agree with that exactly what you say I just think that, that it's that you know be as flexible as you as you can for your role in your business or the rest of it and but if you're asked to come into the office shouldn't feel like you're being punished for something yeah you know like, I, mean? oh, like, I
0: can't believe you're asking me to come in this yeah, yeah. is a breach of my human rights <laughs> exactly. yeah i i get it um all right mate this has been great thank you so much for coming on no you've been a really thank great guest me. really insightful i've learned a lot and um thanks so much for coming on thank you very much
1: appreciate it